You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all, all the time. Ooh, that's spicy. All Patriots, all, all the time. Welcome to, 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 to First and Foxborough. Well, everybody, that's not how we drew it up, is it? No, no, I think not. I'm Kyrie Thompson, this is First in Foxborough, and I'm here with you a couple of days after the Patriots dropped their season opener to the Miami Dolphins by a final score of 20-7. to Just kind of sloppy, especially on, on offense, and I think defense generally did their jobs but couldn't come up with some of the key plays. Those are the differences between winning and losing games. You're right there in, you're competitive in. And, and I mean, it, it definitely doesn't seem like it, though, when you look at it, at the final score and the fact that they were down 17 to nothing going into halftime. But in, in a lot of ways, I can understand where Bill Belichick is coming from, that it was really two plays that, you know, 14-point plays that, that swung the game right there, where you have... The, the strip sack that goes for a touchdown scooped up by Melvin Ingram. And then you've got the last second, at least in, in the uh, first half, uh, the last second touchdown on fourth and seven, Jalen Waddle that pops loose. And maybe you were hoping to either stop them completely or they only get three points out of that. So, yeah, there, there's a lot where you could look at it and say, we were right in the game. We, we could have come back. And obviously they scored on their first drive. They got to stop. And then they scored on their first drive of the third quarter. And you're thinking, okay, maybe there's something that can be done here. I still kind of thought it was too little, too late by that point. And it ended up proving just so. And it ended up proving just so. But first, but okay. I have been given this game a rewatch. And I just wanted to share a couple of notes with you. Three, three points to make on both sides of the football and let's start off with the offense. First of all, kind of an overarching point, we're going to talk a lot about play calling and the fact that oh yeah, this is uh, you know, this is what your offense looks like when you got Matt Patricia running it. To be completely honest with you, I don't know that I see a whole lot of difference between what the Patriots did on Sunday versus what they were doing at the end of last year. They 
yeah, it, it looked disjointed and there were head scratching decisions being made back then as well. And some of the trends continued. For example, last year they were like the fifth or sixth most run heavy team in football on early downs. Where, I mean, a lot of teams now are starting to go and in, go in a shotgun on, on second down and, and five or second and six or what have you. And, and throw the football and try to get more yards out of that and, and start spreading teams out, make them cover every blade of grass. And there were there were once or twice where on second down they would go to the air and it seemed to work out pretty well. But then for the most part, what they did was, look, on, on second and eight, we're going to go ahead and run the football, play a conservative. I mean, there were times where, <laughs> where they ran the ball in like second and 17 or something like that after they'd just given up that sack after uh, Cole Strange had given up the sack to Mac Jones or whomever that that was on, whatever the offensive line bust miscommunication was there. And they run the ball on second and 17. It just feels completely unserious. But you know what? That's honestly, like you can you can you know point to the play calling and, and whatnot and, and talk about um, they couldn't get in a rhythm and the play calling was bad. I mean, this this was no different to me than what they were doing at the end of last season when the offense took a turn for the worse. And I thought there were good moments. I thought and people talk about, yes, the opening scripts for both halves were good. The Patriots immediately moved the ball. They had that interception. I'll talk about that later. And then they score on the first drive of the second half. And then after that, don't muster a whole lot. But you also look at the second drive and, and, you also look at the second drive the Patriots had in the game, and I think that drive was good too. And that sack to Col- that that sack where there was the miscommunication, where the free rusher and, and I mean Emmanuel Ogba, the end the edge defender comes in unblocked and hits Mac Jones, that kills the drive right there. But before that, it was looking good, right? If you remember that that was a drive where they started off with a solid run, they had a good they started off with a solid run to Damian Harris. They had a good toss sweep to the left side that I thought was a very nice play call where they ran it opposite the blitz pressure where Miami was bringing people off the right side of the offensive line and they, they had the pitch going opposite and you had Trent Brown and Johnu Smith out there with almost no one to block. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson picks up a big gain on that play and that was also the drive that featured that nice third down screen to Nelson Aguilar that he picks up. It was it was well designed. It was quick. Aguilar gets out there, picks up the first down. There was good stuff outside of just those those two couple of drives that started each half. But again, wasn't nearly enough. And I want to talk a little bit about why that was the case. First, let's start with the run game. All in all, I think the run game was probably a bit better than we expected that, that it was going to. And interestingly, they they switched it up just a little bit. I know all these sample sizes are small, okay? And it's one week. I mean, it could be completely different next week. But after doing a little bit more gap than zone in the preseason and being extremely gap heavy last year in their run schemes, both in preseason and the regular season, it was like 80-20 in, in both cases, they did a little bit more zone on Sunday than they did gap. So, I mean, uh, PFF charted this as 11 carries by running backs that were considered zone run plays versus eight zone versus eight carries that were considered gap plays. 
Now, it is worth noting that, according to Doug Hyde from Pro Football Focus, the Patriots did not run outside zone very well. He said the PFF had them charted as three outside zone runs for one total yard gained, which is ugly. So what that tells me, and this is something that I've hinted at in the past, it's not, when, when people talk about zone, right, they think it's just, oh, outside zone stretching the field. They run inside zone too, and I think the inside zone game has looked pretty solid. And if, if you take what that means there, right, that there were three zone carries for one yard, then that means that those other eight zone carries were inside zones, and they probably worked a lot better. That's at least how it looked to me from the naked eye. I thought they ran a little bit more outside zone than that, but it looks like probably what it was was, I mean, maybe it was it was inside stuff and and also some counter, right? And they obviously did their their you know crack toss and all that good stuff, right? And they, they had power and guys leading out onto the edge. Uh, so they, they still did that. I mean, basically what, what I've been suggesting this entire time is that it's not that they're going to go completely new offense, right? It's that there's probably going to be a little bit more balance. And I think what what they saw a little bit during the preseason is that they run the ball better between the numbers, run it in a phone booth straight ahead downhill than they do getting out on the edge. And I think there were a couple of plays that exemplify that where Trent Brown's trying to get out and make a block in space and he's just sluggish. He's not getting out there. And I don't know. Again, maybe it was the heat. Maybe it was maybe it was effort, some combination of the two. Maybe the, the look that they were running against, you know, running that play against wasn't good. But that just wasn't working. So I think they have found to an extent what works for them during, you know, in the run game. That said, I also think there's a disparity when they run to the right versus when they run to the left. By my count, exactly half of those yards on non-Mac Jones plays, 39 yards to the right, 39 yards to the left for 78 rushing yards total. But... There were 4.8 yards per carry running to the right. Anything to the right of the center I'm talking about. 4.8 yards per carry to the right versus about 3.25 yards per carry to the left. And I think a lot of that has to do with whatever is going on chemistry-wise, experience-wise, effort-wise, whatever it is. Whatever's going on with Trent Brown and also Cole Strange didn't have a great game. So look. There, there's one play in particular that, that I tweeted about and I, I, I did a video of it and, and posted it where this has been something that's been happening with them throughout preseason and, and training camp where there's one of them, when they, they, they double at the point of attack on, on like a zone carry or duo or what have you where they, they get a double at the point of attack and one of them is supposed to get off and get to the next level and block a linebacker, and they're consistently not doing it. And I cannot explain why that is. On this particular play, I mean, it, it, it looked just the way that the play unfolded and the way that Trent Brown went to go and block this guy, that he went in and reached on this play and got around him and was pushing him back towards the inside. It looked to me like that was probably Cole Strange who needed to get to a Landon Roberts and make that block at the second level. But he doesn't, and Alandon Roberts is the guy who comes in and makes the play unblocked because Cole Strange stay and both him and Trent Brown stay locked on the same guy on the line of scrimmage, and it's been a consistent thing, and that I think more than anything has been an example of what is going on, like why they're not able to get this outside zone run game going because 
they're not getting to the second level and executing the blocks that need to be made to pull it off. And then also on that play, they got Janu Smith leading across the formation and almost like what, what would be considered like a split zone look. And I think maybe that's what the play could have been considered, though I think it was actually more of kind of a lead play where he's coming across, where Janu Smith is coming across and kind of an H-back sort of thing. And he's, he's leading through the hole as opposed to there being a backside cut option. But he, even on that play, there's penetration. Hunter Henry's on the other side because they're running this out of 12 personnel. And Hunter Henry's got a block at the point of attack and he's getting pushed back in the backfield. But Henry's got his man. Jonu Smith hesitates. And I think he's supposed to lead through the hole and get the other linebacker and he doesn't do it. And so there's these execution things, these assignment things that are not going right in the run game, particularly to the left side for whatever reason, that just have to get better. And I think on the flip side of that, you're looking probably at Michael Onwenu and Isaiah Wynn as being like, you know what? Maybe they got something over there that just feels a little bit more solid. And you think about that, that last year, they were the ones playing on the left side together. And I think they had issues in terms of chemistry and communication between one another that, I don't know, maybe they've rectified that now. They've played alongside each other enough Maybe it's just more comfort level on the right side. I don't know what it is, but they ran better over there than they did on the left. And Cole Strange, I think he had a couple of rough blocks where he just whiffed. And then there was the communicate, the miscommunication on that first sack with Mac Jones in the first quarter. That I, I think that was probably on Cole Strange. Though again, I think that let's get into a broader point here. Like my second point on this, the Miami Dolphins did an excellent job of taking advantage of just whatever's going on with the offensive line in terms of communication and and just a lack of execution. What they were doing with bringing extra rushers into the equation late, even when it didn't work, I think it, it was it was brilliant. The timing of it was very well executed. On that Cole Strange play in particular, right? At the start, at the start of the play, everything looks pretty straightforward. And then they they creep Melvin Ingram, I believe, into the box on the outside. And I mean, he's the most out he's the outside most pass rusher in this situation. So Trent Brown's gotta take him. And I feel like in that case, that that's an example of the Dolphins saying, hey, they got a rookie left guard over there. Let's make things hard. And Cole Strange doesn't see it. Trent Brown sees it, but Cole Strange doesn't. And so Strange doesn't get out to block Emmanuel Agba, and he just rolls in and, and hits Mac Jones and takes him down for a huge sack. And and I think that, that's partly an experience thing. He's just got to get better at handling that. I did see a play before that, I believe, where Cole Strange... And, and Trent Brown did a did a solid job passing off a stunt. It was a little bit late on Cole Strange's part, I will say. But he did get a piece of his man and stopped him from getting to Mac Jones. And I, I'm pretty sure that was a play where Mac Jones completed it to Hunter Henry in the flat for a first down. The, the pass was completed. He got it out there. So it wasn't all bad, but I think they definitely took some advantage of Cole Strange's inexperience there. And then I think on the strip sack, the way that it, that it, it appears, okay... You can put some of this on Mac Jones where maybe not seeing that pressure late and maybe adjusting to it and having Hunter Henry who was on the end of the line of scrimmage try to get a chip out there potentially and give Trent Brown some time to get out there. 
Um, you you could you could say that if if you want, but I feel like and Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston pointed this out that it looked like the offensive line slid to the left, where David Andrews turned to the left, blocked a guy out there. James Ferentz blocked a guy out there as well, and and actually ended up that that Trent Brown and James James Ferentz were blocking the same man. So it seems as if. Trent Brown might have messed up the might have messed up the call there and messed up the slide protection to the left and let that free rusher come in. Granted, it was clever, right, to, to have that that extra guy creep down at the last moment, right before the snap is about to go off, and create that extra problem. And and again, maybe that's something that Mac Jones needs to hold the cadence a touch longer and, and, and get a quick look out there before he snaps the ball. But Trent Brown's an experienced player. And I feel like you got to have your eye on that. You got to know that the pressure is coming and you got to trust that, okay, if, if those other two guys are sliding to the left, you got to be the guy to go out and, and pick up that extra rusher. And once again, I mean, it happened in the preseason as well. Um, Could have been a lot worse. Uh, this time it was much worse. And you get you get a touchdown happening for that big point in the game. And at that point, I kind of thought, okay, I don't know if the offense is functioning well enough to get back in this game. And lo and behold, they were not. Back to Mac Jones for a minute though. You could talk about the protection around him and guys got to get open or what have you, but as I you know, re-watching what was going on before the game started to get out of hand and they started to you know, kind of abandon the run game and, and what have you, though even even that, I'm not even sure you can say that because they ran the ball. It's like after they got the, the, the score down to the score was 20 to 7 so the dolphins kicked a field goal it's a two score game and the patriots run the ball three times in a row when when they get the ball back there and i just i don't get that at all i mean i i think that that though is is maybe they were trying to play ball control they were trying to see if they could wind some clock and and keep the dolphins off the field cuz they didn't like the way that you know Tyree Kill was getting open and making plays or something like that um, the Dolphins, I believe, had the Patriots beat by five minutes in terms of time of possession by the time the game was over. And there were like all these factors you could you could talk about, you know, uh, you know, maybe just trying to see what works, whatever the reason. OK, I don't get that. You're down by two scores. You got to pass the ball. That just kind of is what it is. Like, I don't know what you're doing. But for whatever the reasons are that you can point to, I just don't think Mac Jones was very crisp and I don't think he, he was very good. You could talk about the interception there. So, I mean, obviously things started out better. You know, they were moving the ball down the field. Um, you know, they, they, he had just thrown for a first down to Hunter Henry right before that pick. Look, you can talk about the fact that Devontae Parker maybe could should have gotten a pass interference call in the end zone there. Okay, sure. I'm, I'm That is completely fine. You can argue that. You can say the official missed it, bad break, what have you. You can talk about the fact that, hey, he's given his 50-50 guy a chance to make a play there. You know, his, his 80-20 guy, that's how Devontae Parker likes to, to, to think about it, right? You're giving your guy a chance to go up and make a play, regardless of who out, who's out there. You want to build that chemistry. You want to make a big play that's going to get everybody fired up. I don't care. I hate that Mac Jones threw that ball at Xavier Howard. Okay, and I talked about this pregame with all the injuries that the Miami Dolphins had at cornerback. And you got Nick Needham out there, you know, covering Jacoby Myers, who's who's your guy, your favorite receiver, right? And you got Keon Crossan out there playing defensive snaps. 
attack those guys. I don't know what why you're doing this. Don't don't throw at the all pro. And and again, maybe you're saying like you know uh, our guys get paid too. They got to make plays or what have you. You had Jacoby Myers in a one on one situation at the top of the screen against a, a worse cornerback against a worse matchup. Why don't you throw that ball up over there? He made a play later in the game, a, a tremendous play down the sideline on a slot fade, and it was a pretty similar situation. He was on the outside, singled up all alone. Why not throw that ball, right? I just don't understand what made Mac Jones decide that he was going to do that, and the ball wasn't that good. Like, like it, it's not even just that okay, underthrown, it could have been a you know back shoulder, go up and get it, what have you, Devontae Parker, box your guy out. It was too far to the inside, and it was it was just too close to comfort. It wasn't one of those. Okay, if if my guy doesn't catch it, nobody's going to catch it. It was it was too playable. Xavier Howard made a play on it. Okay, I just feel like I don't like the fact that Mac Jones threw that ball. I think that he also just straight up missed a throw or two. There was the one that he had Nelson Aguilar down the right sideline, which is interesting. His best deep balls have consistently come down the left sidelines. But the right sideline, just, I, I don't know. He just, just seems to be having issues uh, connecting with people in stride down that way. He throws the ball off the field to Nelson Aguilar. And, I mean, that, that could have been a big play. That that changes the way that the outcome goes. I mean, if, if you hit that, then maybe you're cooking with gas a little bit. And maybe you do actually have a chance to come back in this game. There was an earlier, the one right before the strip side that went for a touchdown where Mac Jones misses Jonu Smith on a fade route. And I think Jonu Smith had a step. He was open, and the, the connection just doesn't work out. It's a little bit too far ahead of Jonu Smith. I just, I don't know. It was Something was just a little bit off. And then the next play, I believe, after the strip sack, the, the Patriots come back on offense, and Mac Jones's next throw is almost picked off, where they, they, they drop an underneath flat defender underneath Jacoby Myers out route and I, I I would like to think Mac Jones saw that that was happening maybe he didn't based on the way he threw the ball it's kind of hard to tell but I, I'd like to think that he saw that and was trying to layer it in just be like okay I can get that in there um, I can get it past the guy's arm but honestly that ball probably should have been picked off and, and that could have been taken back to the house that could have been a pick six and then you're feeling even worse about it so I just I, I don't love the way that Mac Jones is playing right now. There there were there were parts in that first drive where you could see he was in his element and he was really orchestrating the offense and, and doing a lot of signals and getting them into into you know better plays and, and things like that. And I, I thought for a moment that there was some rhythm that was gonna be built and then the interception kills it. Then you have uh, the second drive I thought was was good. And then the sack kills that drive. And then the third drive, disaster, right? Strip sack. And then it just looked so disjointed and, and ugly for the rest of the time until you got to that that next drive, that, that first drive of the second half where they go down and score and it, and it looks pretty smooth from there. So I'm just, I'm not 100% sure what you, you, what you do there if you're, I'm just not 100% sure 
what the deal was in in the way that he was playing. It just seemed like he like his his his, his just overall accuracy. I mean, yeah, he, he completed what twenty one of thirty passes or something. So he was over that like you know sixty six percent, like sixty seven percent completions. But but again, it just feels like some things were just a little bit off with him, and. I feel like one of the things that's got to change is you have to get Kendrick Bourne in there next week. I mean, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know. I mean, he hinted that it was a practice thing, that they don't like the way that he's practicing. He's got to show more and, and get these guys' trust back. There, it, it can't be a coincidence that the second play that Kendrick Bourne is in the game, he gets a 41-yard catch and creates the best play of the game for the Patriots offense. Mac Jones wants to throw to that guy. Okay, he creates big plays. You you cannot at this point. This this receiving core has to be greater than the sum of its parts. And if one of the parts you've been counting on, your big play guy, is not on the field, then then I I think you you can't you can't function. So Kendrick Bourne got to be out there. We'll see how much of a difference that makes. Um, but that's got to happen, especially against the Steelers defense. That's pretty good. Okay, talked a lot about the offense here. Let's talk some defense. All in all, I think the pressure up front was perhaps better than it seemed, especially early in the game. Uh, Pro Football Focus had the Patriots at 17 total pressures after after reviewing it. Uh, you know, through a, Pro Football Focus had them at 17 total pressures when they reviewed it after the game. I thought it was a little bit too light at times. I thought they made things a little bit too easy for Tua at points. Um, Some of that, though, was just him getting the football out quick. That's what he does. He beat the blitz a couple of times, beat pressure, uh, just simply by getting the ball out of his hands in like a second or less. I mean, it just is what it is, right? Um, I also thought there wasn't quite enough from Christian Barmore. He only had one pressure that that was uh, given to him on on a quarterback hit. But there were good moments that came from the pass rush. I thought Matthew Judon was fine. Um, You know, he had four pressures. Uh, I thought there were times when I think that the Dolphins had him schemed up pretty well in the in the run game. Um, they were throwing multiple blockers at him, and then again, just you can neutralize pass rush with quick passing games, and, and that's what Tua Tonga Vailoa does, right? He's not really going to hurt you down the field when he tries to. A lot of times, it it doesn't go particularly well. Obviously, Judon had a sack. I think the, the biggest takeaway from, from the defensive front of things, though, is that Dietrich Wise Jr. is the guy opposite Matthew Judon, and he looked pretty good at it. He was you know their, their best pass rusher on the day. He had four pressures himself. He had the strip sack. He harassed Tua around the end on, on a scramble. I mean, he, he seemed like he was everywhere. He looked like he was in his element. So, I mean... Anthony Jennings not not being even dressed for this game, being inactive, was definitely a bit of a surprise. But again, I think it was another callback to the fact that, look, Dietrich Wise Jr. is he's experienced. Um, he has the versatility to play inside and outside, and I think they just perhaps liked that perhaps more than okay putting Jennings in right now. Though I think that Jennings is going to get his opportunities. It's going to happen. Um, Josh Uche had three pressures pretty quietly, but you know, still your, your edge defenders got after the quarterback. That's the kind of stuff you want to see. Now they got to actually get the quarterback on the ground more and get him to make some worse throws that give you an opportunity to, to pick him off and, and, and get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. Like what 
Wise did on the strip sack there, though they couldn't recover the fumble and get the turnover. But, I mean, that's how it's going to have to be. They have to be on the ball every single game because the, the linebacking crew generally looked pretty ordinary in this one. The cornerbacks, I mean, look, I think that it wasn't a great game for the cornerbacks, but it wasn't a horrible one. In fact, we can get into that part right now. I think that the biggest takeaway for me, so, I mean, Miles Bryant, there was an interception he should have had. Jack Jones, the rookie, interception he should have had. I think there were still some decent plays uh, where you had Jonathan Jones getting a pass breakup on Tyreek Hill at one point, and I think generally they limited his damage to underneath and, and they stopped them from really ripping off huge plays down the field with the exception of Jalen Waddell busting through the middle of the defense right there for that 42-yard touchdown backbreaker on 4th and 7 right before the half. That was Jalen Mills he got away from, but I think also that the safeties, you got to make that tackle. Got to be able to make that tackle, and then maybe this is a, this is a slightly different feeling ball game when they come out of the half right there. It would have just been, I believe at that point, 13 to nothing as opposed to 17, but it is what it is. But I think that all in all, Jonathan Jones had himself a good game. He he was fine. All in all, Mills wasn't that bad, though. I, again, that uh, you know the the Watto play is definitely going to stick out to you. Miles Bryant, I think that I don't know. I think I think Miles Bryant is is you know dependable. He's reliable and all that. But I think you got to get Marcus Jones in there at some point. He had I believe four snaps. I don't even know if they were on defense or if they were if they were just special teams. But I think Marcus Jones got to get up to speed and get in there because his speed and his ball skills, I think, are, are going to be needed. And I'll say this, low-key, one of the things that had me most excited was the fact that Jack Jones did get on the field. And he did get opportunities to play man coverage on Tyreek Hill. And that play where he should he should have had that interception, he was right there in position. It wasn't like he made a mistake. And, and he gambled and, and he lost. He looked completely out of place. Tyreek Hill just beat him. You know what? It happens. You're going to get beat sometimes by a really good player. And Tyreek Hill can get up there and he can make a play with the ball in the air too. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. Um, but you know what? All in all, I'm not that discouraged with how Jack Jones played. And I think that it's it's a good thing that he's out there and getting opportunities to, to put that playmaking, that ball hawking, that athletic ability on the football field. I'm really looking forward to seeing him potentially earn a bigger role and, and you know, force himself into this cornerback conversation because I feel like it can only be a good thing for the Patriots. But you want to talk about one thing that I've been harping on throughout training camp, throughout preseason, all of that. It's the fact that those safeties that the Patriots have are really, really damn good okay that is that is the saving grace of this of this defensive unit and i think they are going to continue using those guys and to, to help them match up with teams like the miami dolphins all throughout the season devin mccourty 35 now played every snap did not come off the field that's what you expect from him and again no really big plays over the top obviously you don't want to get split by jalen waddle down the middle of the field on that play that's rough but, I mean, you were looking for, for Tyreek Hill to, you know, not, not smoke you. You didn't want to get beat deep and all that. That, that didn't really happen. So that's, that's Devin McCourty's job. That's what he's there for. Kyle Duggar was awesome. Kyle Duggar is, is he, he's, he's turning into everything that we want him to be. 
he had three tackles on Tyreek Hill in, in, in space, right? So he had one where he chased him down, I believe, on, on an end around. He looked like he was going to get the corner. Duggar stops him for just a five-yard game, just a medium game. That's that's just that, that's absurd. You don't, re- you don't see safeties being able to make that play on Tyreek Hill like that. He had another one where he, he smashes him in the open field. And then another on a pass out into the flat where you're saying, okay, one-on-one, I'm taking Tyreek Hill against a safety. Duggar thuds him to the ground to get the stop right there. And then on, on another play, the, right after one of the ones where he, he takes down Tyreek Hill um, while, while he's kind of weaving through the defense, he lines up as a linebacker, comes down into the box, flies in and makes a tackle on Chase Edmonds for a big-time loss. That that's it. That is the Kyle Duggar experience that you want. Move him all around your defense. Have him be a wrecking ball that's just going to come in and, and, and blow things up. And then eventually you want to see him in the deep part of the field roaming and using that playmaking. Basically, when the ball is in front of Kyle Duggar, that's a damn good football player. That is a Pro Bowl caliber defensive back right there. It's when you put him one on one in coverage and, and stuff like that. That's where things get a little bit dicey. But when, when he can trust his eyes and just go, that's that's it. That's the Kyle, that's the Kyle Duggar everybody's been wanting to see. And I think that again, that's a situation where you had, you know, Adrian Phillips, you had your three safety lineup, right? And you were able to put those three on the field together and you drop Kyle Duggar down and have him be an extra linebacker right there. That's how you counteract speed if you're the New England Patriots. I, I love what Duggar did yesterday. Obviously, you know, they're as with anything, you got plays you want back, but that's a hell of a start for him. Adrian Phillips, again, a little bit you know more more quiet and understated, but he had a tackle for loss. He he stopped Tyreek Hill short of the first down marker on on a play where it looked like Hill was in the flat and he had his man like he had he had the corner and he was going to get it. And, and Phillips comes in, gets the angle, gets the stop to force a third down. You you hope that the rib injury that he had, I mean, he looked like he was in some pain, and you don't want to see him out. But you, you hope that he's able to come back because, again, he's one of the better players on your defense. He's just so steady and reliable. He seems like he's always in the right place doing the right thing. And when he was out, Jabril Peppers was able to come in and spell him. And that's why you went out and you got Jabril Peppers. And you would hope that Josh Bledsoe is going to be able to get himself back into the mix after being inactive this week. But just from top to bottom, that safety group that that's going to be the unit that I think this defense just relies on. It is going to be the unit that they they build this whole thing off of. The fact that you can put three, four guys, maybe even five when Bledsoe comes back on the field, you can all trust them to do their jobs, to be able to run with anyone, cover anyone, fly downhill, make a stop, take away big plays on the back end. I mean, the, the, the defensive front was fine, but it wasn't spectacular. The linebackers, pretty pedestrian. I wasn't overly impressed with anything they were doing, though I did love, I mean, Mac, Mac Wilson had a thump on somebody later in the game. And I'm thinking to myself, that guy needs to get some more, sl- that guy needs to get some more snaps. I do not need to see Jelani Tavai getting all these snaps on defense. Okay, I, I really don't. They're, he just, he's not doing anything for me. Right, and they got him out there with 17 snaps on defense. That doesn't need to happen, okay? Give those snaps to Mac Wilson, please, and thank you. Anyway, I digress with that once again, as I'm saying, 
the, the, the Patriots' safeties are the best position group on this team, and they are going to need them to be this year if this defense is going to continue having days like this where they got to carry the load because the offense is still figuring out who and what the hell they are. That's it for this one. Once again, I'm Kyrie Thompson. This is First in Foxborough. Make sure you are downloading, subscribing, listening on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. Going to have more content coming for you as we get ready for week two against the Steelers. Till next time.